This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Synchronicity. Synchronicity. One of the things I love about operating a bed and breakfast is that we are always learning how big and diverse our world really is. We have guests from all over North America and Europe, and now we're starting to get some from Asia and Australia. People are quite glad to tell us about their homes, just as we're quite happy to tell them all about the wonderful things here in Whitehorse. This is especially enriching for our six-year-old daughter, Alex. Living in a B&B is much better than any geography or sociology class she'll ever take. One of the things I love about operating bed and breakfast is we're always learning how small and interconnected our world really is. We have guests from all over the world, and it's really fascinating to discover all the unexpected coincidences that tie everyone together. I was just explaining to Alex last week that this is called synchronicity. For example, we had three guests on the weekend. The first ones to arrive at breakfast were Catherine, a woman in her 60s, and her daughter, mid-30s. Alex led the, where are you from? Have you ever been here before? And what drew you to Yukon discussion that we usually have at the breakfast table? Catherine was slow to start, but warmed up quickly to storytelling mode in between bites of French toast and Yukon bird syrup. We're... we're from Montreal. I grew up there and raised my family there. Three children. Uh, No, it's not my first time here. I lived here for six years, actually. And yes, I know, Yukon is a wonderful place. Six years, exclaimed Alex. Me too. I've lived here for six years. But why did you move away? Catherine sighed. It was complicated. She paused. Okay, she said. Here's the story. I've been waiting to tell it for some time. She turned to her daughter and patted her arm, although not hard enough to interrupt the flow of French toast and syrup, which seemed to be well appreciated. Listen, she said. You know bits of the story but I don't think I've ever told you the whole thing start to finish, and it's something you should know. Catherine sighed again, took a sip of coffee, and gathered her thoughts before starting in. I worked for the federal government in Montreal for years as the kids were growing up. Then my husband, their father, well, well, he split and he disappeared, which actually wasn't a bad thing. The kids went off to university and jobs, and then about the same time, The government offered me a promotion and a raise, which has set me up wonderfully for retirement. But I had to move to Whitehorse. It was just for a couple of years. That's the way it always is in Yukon, said my wife Mara from the stove, where she had taken over from me to make the second batch of French toast. Come for a short time, stay for a long time. But I had no intention of staying, protested Catherine. My family was all back in Montreal. Coming to the Klondike, where it's always cold, and the land of Jack London and Robert Service, well, it sounded like a great adventure, but not forever. At the time, my children were starting adult lives that seemed to be centered on Montreal, and I figured they'd be grandchildren eventually. And there were! I now have two lovely grandchildren, a boy and a girl in Montreal. Yeah, I know, said Catherine's daughter, speaking up for the first time. No thanks to me. No, no thanks to you, replied Catherine, patting her arm again. But maybe someday... The daughter rolled her eyes and scooped up more French toast. Catherine continued her story. Anyway, yes, there was lots to do in Whitehorse, and the weather turned out to be 
pretty good, all things considered. I learned to canoe and kayak. I took pottery classes and harmonic lessons. I had a bit part in one of the guild plays. I did some improv comedy. I wasn't very good, but it was sure a lot of fun. After a brief pause, Catherine continued, But it was... lonely. I mean, it's not that people weren't friendly. They were very friendly, not like in Montreal. But I was, you know, in my mid-fifties, and I was finally ready to move on after my divorce. I would have liked to have met some interesting guy who would sweep me off my feet, or even a special friend who I could share Yukon life with. Sure, there were guys. Charming, witty, intelligent gentlemen, but they're all firmly and happily attached to lucky Yukon women. I'm sure they're unattached men, too, but they all seem to be heavily into hunting, fishing, quadding, and drinking, none of which fit my values, although I did try hard to compromise. Thomas, our third guest that weekend, arrived in the kitchen, drawn perhaps by the smell of morning coffee. I made quick introductions, filled up everyone's plates with French toast, and served more coffee. You were in the middle of a story, Thomas said to Catherine. Don't let me interrupt. Carry on, please. Catherine carried on. So my time here in Whitehorse was fun, but at the same time, sort of empty. I spent five years here. I was coming up to retirement and had it all planned out for the following year. The Federal Public Service would move me back to Montreal, pay out my used sick leave, and give me my pension. I would be with my children and my grandchildren. I had two sisters there as well. That was something I could look forward to. And I could finally go back to living in my own house. I'd spent a long time fixing it up just right. And then... And then Robert. I was at a Friday evening opening at the Yukon Artists at Work Gallery, standing in front of a large painting, trying to reconcile the title with what I saw. No, I don't understand it either, said Robert, who had just slid into my peripheral vision. We laughed together and tried to figure out some of the others by the same artist. But our investigation was cut short by a loud, pushy woman who wanted Robert's attention, so I just drifted away. The next evening at the Folk Society Coffeehouse in the United Church, I had my first and last performance as a harmonica player in part of one song with two of my girlfriends and their charming male partners. Robert was the next act, waiting with his fiddle. Not bad, he said, as we crossed paths beside the stage. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad, sure. He was fantastic. He really knew how to fiddle up a firestorm. At the end of the evening, once the chairs were all put away, we walked together along the base of the clay cliffs, talking, he with his violin case in hand. And that's how it started. I mean, it was too late. By then I wasn't even looking. It was all planned out, planned out almost to the day. I was moving back to Montreal, back to be with my family, back to my house. I told him that up front. Robert said he found it really hard to find intelligent, unattached women about his own age in Whitehorse. And then we just blundered into each other. We had a great year together. We climbed mountains and shared the exhilaration of the accomplishment. We skied great distances and celebrated after. We laughed and cried as we cuddled together in front of old movies. We walked the woods, chaperoned only by Robert's old dog. We were in a short play together. We spent a weekend in Vancouver patrolling Denman Street in Stanley Park. We explored Fort Selkirk and Montana Mountain. And we canoed Lac La Berge and Five Finger Rapids. He knew I was moving back to Montreal and understood the family connection. He didn't try to talk me out of it. 
but he didn't miss an opportunity either to point out how wonderful the different parts of Yukon life were when we encountered them. He lived in Montreal before. He said that was why he now lived in Yukon. I never even suggested that he come to Montreal with me. Yukon was his home, much like Montreal was mine. He was much more natural, much happier in a rumpled old shirt, hiking through the quiet woods, than he would have been dressed up and dashing through the couch for the metro. We agreed that there would be no tears, no regrets when I left. But didn't you change your mind? asked Alex. Didn't you want to stay here in Yukon with him? Catherine smiled a far-off smile. Yes, I thought about that a lot. As time went on, I thought about it more and more. I was wavering. I was about to change all my retirement plans and call off the moving truck. And so, then what happened? demanded Alex breathlessly. Then I went to see the doctor, replied Catherine. I'd been getting more and more forgetful, and it started to worry me. The doctor did his tests and said, yes, it was Alzheimer's. I guess it wasn't a surprise. I knew it was coming. I mean, both my parents had that before they died, and my older sister. It was hard on everyone. Well, what's Alzheimer's? asked Alex. It's where people start to forget things more and more, and finally they don't remember the people they love, I replied, and they don't get better. I never told Robert what the doctor had said, explained Catherine, but I raised it in a hypothetical sort of way. I told him about my parents, who had had Alzheimer's. What if I have it too? I asked. You're the last one I loved, so you would be the first one I'd forget. I wouldn't even know that I had loved you. When I said that, Robert was quiet for a moment. Then he replied, But I would know you had loved me, and I would know I still loved you. I couldn't forget that. <laughs> I cried, <laughs> but I couldn't put Robert through that. At the end of the year, I moved back to Montreal. I wanted to see as much of my children and grandchildren as I could before I forgot, and so they could remember me as a fun mother and grandmother, not as some doddering old crazy lady. And I wanted Robert to remember me, just as I was when we had had that wonderful year together. But how long ago was that? I asked, counting years on my fingers. Well, that was two years ago, said Catherine. Not long after I left, Robert sent me an email saying he had met someone else. No details, really. Just that there was someone else, and things were working out well. I was, well, not really jealous. Oh, okay, yes, maybe I was jealous. I wanted to be the one in Robert's arms. I wanted to be the one to make him happy. But I was glad he'd found someone else. You know, I'd been worried that he would be depressed when I left, or even, even worse, that he'd want to give up Yukon that he loved so much and move to Montreal just to be with me. So I told him that I'd met someone else, too. Then he went to the specialist in Montreal. Turns out it wasn't Alzheimer's after all. It was just an unfortunate combination of meds I was taking. It made me forgetful. We sorted that out quickly, but... But Montreal turned out to be, well... Just okay, after Yukon. My kids were really busy with their careers, and the grandchildren were too busy with their school and sports. Sure, we spent some time together, but not nearly enough. And they lived on the other side of the city, so it was really hard fitting into their schedules. I really missed my walks in the quiet Yukon woods with Robert. And there are no forest areas anywhere near my house. Not like here where everyone has a forest nearby. So I probably would have come back to Yukon to visit Robert from time to time. But, but he had someone else. 
So things didn't work out all that well. Not for me, anyway. I guess they worked out okay for Robert, though. And then I got a call from my girlfriend here in Whitehorse, whose partner knew Robert. Robert... Robert... Robert passed away last week, and there's a memorial service for him this morning. A celebration of his life, as they say, out on the hill in the woods where we used to walk his dog, just down towards the college. I guess he had someone to love in the end, anyway. Thomas, the third guest, had dropped his fork and was staring. Robert, he said. Robert McMillan? Catherine nodded. Yes, that was him. Robert McMillan. Thomas shook his head in disbelief. You're Catherine. Catherine! Well, yeah, my dad talked about you a lot. We didn't know how to get a hold of you. Robert McMillan is my dad. Was my dad. He lived over on the next street, Ponderosa. Catherine nodded again. The whole family is here, said Thomas. My dad's house is full of my sisters and their families. Lots of nieces and nephews and brothers-in-law all over. I flew up from Vancouver early yesterday for the celebration of life today. It's crazy over at the house. I'm glad I stayed here. Did he have a dog named Rufus? asked Alex. Thomas and Catherine both nodded. We used to meet Rufus all the time walking in the woods. But Rufus died a couple of weeks ago, said Alex. Rufus got cree, cream... Cream heated, and Mr. McMillan threw his ashes up into the wind on top of the hill, where you can see all of Whitehorse and the mountains just over there, she pointed. Yes, that was Rufus Hill, said Thomas. Catherine nodded. That's where we're going to have my dad's celebration today. You're all welcome to come, if you knew him. It's at 9.15. That's when the sun comes up over the mountains this time of year. Catherine said, Well, I came all this way from Montreal, so sure, I'll be there. But I'll be discreet and stay in the background. I don't want to upset your dad's new friend. Thomas blinked and looked uncomfortable. After a pause, he said, There was no new friend. After Rufus died, I don't think my dad had much to live for. What do you mean, asked Catherine. He said he had found someone else. Thomas sighed and spoke directly to Catherine. My dad talked a lot about you. He told me how much fun you guys had had together. The murder mystery night, the haunted hotel in Kino, the train to Bennett, and the soggy sandwiches, all that. He said he'd never had a friend like you before. He cared about you very much, and he knew how important it was for you to be in Montreal with your children, your grandchildren, your sisters, and your house that you talked about so much. He was afraid you would get to Montreal and feel bad about him and want to come back to Yukon. He said he struggled with it, but finally told you he had met someone else. That was quite out of character for my father. He wasn't the sort to come up with lies, small fibs, or great big ones either. But he didn't want you to regret your decision. He wanted you to be happy. And he did what he thought was best for you. And so that was synchronicity. Okay, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. It happens all the time in Yukon, because everyone here is connected to everyone else in some way. So he hiked out to the hill just above the college, overlooking Whitehorse, and there were a lot of people there. We remembered Robert and Rufus. We cried. We hugged. We went back to Robert's house in Ponderosa, where Thomas and his sisters hosted a reception. Thomas seemed to have found some common ground with Catherine's daughter. They huddled close, talking. Just synchronicity.
This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.